we're living in a world where early detection of cancer, heart disease, diabetes, not neurogenerative diseases yet, can save your life. You will retain the quality of your life after treatment and recovery rates right now in some of the cancer types going as high as 90 to 100%. I am Vishen Lakiani, founder of Mind Valley, the school for human transformation. You're listening to the Mind Valley podcast, where we'll be bringing you the greatest teachers and thought leaders on the planet to discuss the world's most powerful ideas in personal growth for mind, body, spirit, and work. Welcome back, everyone, to the Mind Valley podcast. So, our topic today is something that I am so captivated with because every year on my birthday, as I get older, I love celebrating my birthday, but I, but you know, I always notice like everyone else, that little extra bit of gray hair, that extra wrinkle. I am, I'm 45 or 46, to be honest, I've forgotten my age, but I love practicing the right biohacking practices or health practices so that I can stay as young as I can not just to look younger, which is nice, but for energy, for health, well, for vitality. Now, what's really fascinating is that in Sergey Young's words, longevity research is accelerating at an exponential pace. Today, scientists believe that we can live to be about 130. They're not so sure if we can go above that barrier, but Sergey believes that we will. Sergey Young, is a remarkable man. He, uh, this is his second time on the Mind Valley podcast. He's the author of the book, The Science and Technology of Growing Young. And he's the founder of the Longevity Vision Fund. Sergey invests in technologies that are extending the human lifespan, but not just extending the human lifespan, but making us live longer while being healthier. So Sergey, welcome to the Mind Valley podcast. Hi, Vishen. Hi, guys. I'm so excited to be here with you today. And I'm so happy we have amazing people representing so many countries in the audience. So, Sergey, first, I just want to hold up your book, okay? So uh, people who are interested in learning more about your work can check this out. The book, I have an advanced review copy over here. The book went on sale in August. It's called The Science and Technology of Growing Young. Sergey is spelled S-E-R-G-E-Y, Young. You'll find the book on Amazon. The subtitle is this. An Insider's Guide to the Breakthroughs that Will Dramatically Extend Our Lifespan and What You Can Do Right Now. And this is going to be the topic of the interview. Sergey, I'd love for you to start by giving us kind of an overview. What are some of the most exciting technologies you're discovering right now in terms of extending lifespan? And then for those of you who want to go beyond just fascinating tech, but actually get practical tips, Sergey is going to be sharing five things you can do immediately, as in like, as soon as you get off this podcast, yeah. start extending your lifespan. Sergey, let's begin with these technologies that you're investing in. Well, first of all, let's talk about different horizons of longevity innovations that we see now and that we're going to see in the next few decades. So the way to think about longevity is, first, there's something what I call a near horizon of longevity innovations. This is something which will be available to us in the next 10, 20 years. And this will actually help us to break this sound barrier of 120, 130 years, the maximum lifespan on Earth. And if you want, we can discuss this technologies later on today. But like three, like the most promising for me is gene editing and gene therapy. 
The second one is longevity and appeal, completely new class of drugs that we're going to see on the market in five, 10 years from now, which would work on aging in itself rather than any particular disease. And third is organ regeneration, our ability to regenerate and replace organs, similar to what we do with the old car when we're trying to extend its resource. So this this overall, within the near horizon of longevity innovation, we will be able to break the sound barrier and we will be able to live up to 150 years. So that's one. There's is a second piece is what I call the far horizon of longevity innovations. And this is something which will be available to us in the next 25, 50 years. It's really far away. It's some fascinating, but also scary stuff like human avatars, human brain computer integration, nanobots which are flown inside our blood. It's the world which consists not only of internet of things, but internet of bodies. So we can discuss that. So within this framework, within this like 25, 50 years horizon, technology is important, science is important, but ethics important as well. So we can cover that. And then this is my favorite part, like what I can do now, what we can do now, tonight or tomorrow morning. Before we go into what we can do now, you've just opened up a whole can of worms. Yeah right? Let's talk about some of the technologies you mentioned. So from what I understand, there are four primary reasons that we die. The four horsemen of the apocalypse. I can't remember if it was you or if it was Peter Diamandis who who explained this to me. It is heart disease, cancer, Alzheimer's, and I believe the fourth is diabetes. Is this correct? Yeah. So I call it killer monster diseases. And exactly right from our previous conversation, 90% of deaths after age of 50 happens due to these four diseases, killer monster diseases, 90, 90. So it's diabetes, cancer, heart disease, and neurodegenerative diseases, including Alzheimer. Right. So, and then our chances to get and die from this disease increase exponentially after age of 45, 50. This is where aging processes started inside our body manifest themselves after the age of 45 okay great so i just turned 45 or 46 whatever age i am so i'm at the perfect time for this podcast and thank you for picking 45 you could have just said 50 and made my day better (laughs) you look there's always like every day is a great day to start working on your longevity and your health so let's talk so these four horsemen what are you seeing right now in terms of science in terms of keeping these four Mm -hmm. horsemen of death away from us. I read, for example, about mRNA vaccines against cancer. Have you looked at that? Is that something that you're excited about? Yes, this is really exciting. Before we go into that, what I wanted to share is like what we've seen in the world in the last few centuries, the maximum lifespan stayed the same. So there was always somewhere between 120, well, in fact, the maximum was 122 years, thanks to this beautiful French woman who died 20 years ago in the age of 122. So the average lifespan at the same time, for, for the last 100 years, has we doubled that. So 100 years ago, the average lifespan on, in the world was somewhere around 35 years. Right now, it's somewhere between 70 and 75 years. So this is what has happened. So we've been working on eliminating early deaths. That was like our sole focus. And that was the whole concept of medicine and the concept of science, just fighting this particular disease. And obviously, we've done a lot in terms of fighting like HIV, 
which is not a problem anymore, at least in developed world. And we are right in the middle of fighting the war against cancer. Right. We are much more knowledgeable and equipped to fight heart diseases on, on so many fronts that so we can discuss that as well. And diabetes, I mean, we all know like so many diet and lifestyle choices. And I'm pretty sure there's just a lot of courses and experts that we have on Mind Valley platform actually target and help people to fight diabetes as well. We are not there in terms of understanding neurogenerative diseases because they happen really late within our lifespan. So when, when oncology risk is somewhere, it starts from age of 50, the usual kind of age frame timing for neurogenerative disease, they usually start toward 80 or 90 years old. So we had you know, very few people on the planet suffering from that. That's why the science and technology and the medicine is not there, not only in terms of how to treat Alzheimer's, but also in terms of understanding of this as particular disease. But that's a very old paradigm. So you know disease, you're trying to treat symptoms or you try to treat disease itself. But like the concept that we work in are now, and this is what we see within the near horizon of longevity innovations, is like we're trying to fight aging processes in their core, right? So we already, in, in the last decade or so, we already know all 3,000 genes inside our DNA, which are responsible for aging inside our body. And moreover, if you look at the studies of centenarians, centenarians are people who live 100 years and beyond on this planet. They have very good working conditions for these genes, if I can use this word. So they manifest itself better inside their body and mind. So why is that exciting? So if you look at these three buckets of technologies that we're developing, like gene editing, gene therapy, including mRNA vaccines that you just mentioned, longevity in the pill, organ regeneration, all of this are working to help us live much longer in healthy and happy state. So sometimes people think like, well, Sergey, are you working on extending lifespan or you work on extending health span? It's not mutually exclusive. Actually, actually this is very human. We, we tend to see world in binary, like black and white. Okay, just a question for you. Let's talk about mm -hmm. mRNA, right? Because it's mm -hmm. so much right now. Of course, the COVID vaccines are yeah. mRNA. Yeah. And there was just an announcement last week. I think it was Pfizer is about yeah. to test mRNA therapy against cancer, which is exciting if it works. Mm -hmm. but at the same time, there's lots of fear around mRNA. I'm just reading a comment that was just posted on the chat here as we are recording this. Tiffany says, mRNA seems exciting, but scary at the same time. So many ethical considerations too, no? I'm curious to know your thoughts. Are there any ethical considerations for mRNA or any risk? Like what is the downside or is it just an upside? There's a topic that we can cover at least in the next hour or so. So I'll try to be quick. Well, number one is if we want to move from treating the symptoms to fighting diseases in their core, like preventing them, making us the healthier and happier version of ourselves, we would need to go on genetic level. This is right. unavoidable, right? Mentally, we are not prepared for that because we're just full of stereotypes. Like, what does it mean? We don't know, like, what are the range of technologies that we can currently employ or we can employ in the future in this field, but we're really scared by that. So I totally accept that. This is rather new thing. So that's one. Second thing, we went a long way in terms of understanding our DNA and making use of it and changing that for the benefits of humanity 
in the last 20, 30 years. So 30 years ago, sequencing human genome took 13 years for the United States, and it was $3 billion project mm -hmm. 30 years ago. So right now, it's just a few hundred dollars and a few hours. This is how quickly we can sequence human DNA. And there's, and it's actually opened up the opportunity for us to influence ourselves on the genetic level. And it's always, it's a little bit like with everything. You can use something for the good and the benefit of the society, and you can use the same thing against that. Well, so, think about the nuclear power. You can do like a nuclear bomb, or so you can mind. use it for electricity generation. So, so it's, it's both. It's super powerful tool. Right. Got it. Got it. So in your mind, do you think there are ethical concerns? I'm curious to know your thoughts. Yeah. So there's a number of ways for us to influence our genetic footprint. Gene editing, actually using genetic scissors in the form of CRISPR or any other gene editing technology can actually make fundamental changes in the human DNA. So that's irreversible. And obviously, we would need to work on ethics in terms of using all these gene editing technologies. Wow. I'm actually more relaxed in terms of the ethics of using mRNA because what they're doing they bring in the proteins inside your cell, which you know help particular genes mm -hmm. to manifest themselves. You should think about this almost like a multiplier, or they creating immune response similar to what you would achieve if you would have particular gene, which will help you to build the immunity against coronavirus, against COVID. So this is it's just a replacement. It's kind of support of your immune system work on a cellular level. But what is important vision? So if COVID would happen 40, 50 years ago, we would lose significant part of world population. I'm pretty clear. But like the beauty of mRNA technology is how fast we can build a response to all these even unknown viruses. So I was just reading the article in New York Times, what was that, two months ago? And it starts with mRNA, so Moderna vaccine has been developed in the course of two days. Can you imagine that? It took us decades, even centuries to develop vaccines against any other kind of past diseases. And right now we can respond quickly in the course of the week. And obviously you'll need quite a bit of months to test that. We are all participating in a global, I do believe it's positive experiment yeah. so in gene therapy. It's a personal thing on the ethics, right? A question to ask yourself is if you could take a magic pill that could maybe increase your strength, mm -hmm. correct eyesight, maybe prevent you from losing your hair as you grow older, yeah. maybe give your skin greater elasticity as you grow older, maybe help you live an extra 10 years. And if the pill was affordable, would you take it? Is it cheating in any way? I don't see an ethical concern, but I respect someone's decision to feel that this is unfair. Ultimately, from a spiritual point of view, I believe in reincarnation. I see myself as a soul having a human body. The body is my vehicle. If I can keep my vehicle running longer, if I can keep my vehicle in tip-top shape, my vehicle isn't me. It's just my container. And so when I viewed it from that point of view, I'm excited about mRNA vaccines. Bianca, you just came live. I'm curious to know your views. Yeah, I'm so excited you brought this up about uh, this technology of RNA. But I think the discussion can also go in this direction of organ replacement or bioprinting organ yeah. regeneration. Is this a technology that can be significant in saving or extending even that's, life? That's yeah. interesting. That's interesting. I, mean, I really think that in my perspective, maybe only augmented bodies 
will be able to extend their lives maybe up to more than 100 years old. Yeah. I, I mean, this is also a question and I want to see your opinion. Yeah, yeah so please. very interesting. So I do believe if we want to live beyond 150 years, right? And we all need to understand that we're talking about decades or even this century today, right? But let's let's took this longer term perspective. I do believe in our current biological form, it will be almost impossible to live beyond 150 years. So when I talk about the far horizon of longevity innovation, and I actually, I do agree with the audience that we have live today. I can just, you know, I'm just looking at questions and comments. Actually, when, when I talk about all these technologies, there's half of the discussion is about technology, but half of the discussion is about the ethics. I've just done my TEDx talk yes. on morality of immortality. And the whole notion is like, we build these technologies to extend our life, but we still haven't created life that we want to extend. 60 to 80% of people, based on their ethical concerns and bad experience with aging in their family and with the loved ones, don't want to extend their life. So let's come back to that. But mm. Bianca, you raised very important, yeah. Yeah, go on, please. No, I was just going to say that's a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant statement that you just made. So many of us are sickly. So many of us are ill because of bad lifestyle choices. You know, the wrong food, uh, yeah. inadequate exercise, all of these things that we know can extend our longevity. So I love that statement that you said. Could you repeat that, Sergey? So we have created technologies to extend our life, but we haven't created life that we want to extend. Love it. Very, very, very true. Something to reflect on. Okay, yeah. now um, please, please okay. ask Bianca's question. Organ regeneration. So again, we still, guys, well, I would love to discuss now and let's make sure we have, we spent some time today, like what are the five longevity choices that all of us can do now? But like we're still within the near horizon of longevity innovation, right? 10, 20 years, stuff like 20 companies that we invested in, they all work in this three field, genetic gene therapy, organ regeneration, longevity in the pill, right? Developing completely new class of drugs. Organ regeneration. So think about the old car, and this is the best metaphor I'm always trying to use. So we can extend the resource like a time of work for the old car almost indefinitely just by replacing spare parts, right? And we can even replace engine. So some of the things that we're going to use for longevity, for healthy longevity, is going to be in the field of organ regeneration. We would need to have an ability to replace organs. And there are three things or three different type directions or technologies which we currently see. So one, you can actually 3D bioprint organs. And we've seen already a number of companies in this field which work in the biomaterial to 3D print organs. You might be interested to know like two most difficult organs to 3D bioprint and integrate the human body is your heart and mm -hmm. is your brain, okay? So that's, that's super interesting, it's very complex. So it's still at early stage of development, 95% of organs which are 3D bioprinted today end up not in humans, but in academic labs. They're cheap, fast, very close alternative to doing trials on human organs, which you would assume like super expensive and it takes a lot of time to work on this option. So that's kind of great. In five, 10, 15 years from now, we're gonna see more 3D bioprinted organs. So that's one. Second, you can use animals to regrow on organs. And for example, pigs, they, they very genetically close to us, like 99% of their DNA is close to human DNA. And depending on the, your spiritual belief, that's why some of the 
religions, they're so against using pigs in a diet. Like staying like a medical health territory. There's a number of companies who are just trying to regrow some of the organs, specifically lungs in, inside other animals' uh, body. And, it, and it's usually a huge problem. So, and the third kind of technologies that we're currently supporting through Longevity Vision Fund is our ability to regrow organs inside our body. So we invested in a company called Light Genesis. They're based in Pittsburgh. And what they do, they started the first program that they have is a liver program. Liver is the is second organ in demand for donor organs. The first one is kidney and liver is number two. We have 117,000 people on the waiting list for donor organs in wow. the US. So people wait for months and some people like 17 people die every day just waiting for their organ to arrive. So what they do, they take donor liver and they split it at 50 to 75 pieces. So that's the opportunity to help not, not the one person, but up to 75 persons from one donor liver. They take this nucleus of liver, they put it in your lymph node. It's actually here. This is like the best place to regrow the new liver inside your body. And then in the course, it's very simple surgery. And then in the course of three to six months, your body regrows the new liver, which supports the function of your existing liver. Up to 70% of, uh, of the function can be taken by the new kind of liver B. That's amazing. When we invested, we thought it's sci-fi. So in the last two years, they've done studies on mice, pigs, dogs, primates, and they just got FDA approval for human trial earlier this year, and they started to test it on humans in December this year. That's and, amazing. And, and all of the, wow. all of the people that they take for their own studies are about to die without external help in the course of the next three, six months. So that's amazing. And actually they have plenty of organs that they can put within the context of this technology. So that's, this is what is happening in organ regeneration field. Sergey, I was also thinking how much is genetics doing its job into getting us ill and how much is the lifestyle? So having. obviously <laughs> there is no agreement in academic circles on that topic. And it's actually, it's, in generic terms, there's no agreement in academic circles on almost every topic. But the, if you look at the average outcome of the studies, it's anywhere between 30 to 40%. That's the opportunity Sorry, for us. 30, 30 to 40% is genetics? It's predetermined, yeah, is genetics, yeah. Okay. And the rest is your lifestyle choices. So that's actually confirms what has been said by Vision earlier today, like, guys, there's, there's so many things that we can do today in terms of our lifestyle choices to influence our health, happiness, and longevity. So that's kind of outcome number one. It's yeah, a good I, news number one. I, I just want to chime in there. There was just a European study that was released two months ago, and it showed that they were able to increase the predicted lifespan of a population by three years by just getting them to change their diet and exercise routines yeah. for a span of six months. So yeah. six months, eating healthy, getting an exercise routine, yeah. added three years to the predicted lifespan of this population. Yeah. It's amazing how much, how much lifestyle. Yeah. I yeah. was so fascinated with that. Yeah, like six months, you can become younger. When I'm telling about this study, yeah. so I'm always like, I'm asking people like, do you want to be like three years younger in exactly. the course of six months? And they're like, yes, tell us like the magic answer. And the magic yeah, answer and is combination of sleep, exercise, right. and the diet changes. That's Absolutely. it. So I, I just want to say this, for those of you who are listening, those of you who are Mind Valley members, please note, if sleep is your issue, take Michael Bruce's program, Mastery of Sleep. Okay, it's all about optimizing sleep. 
if it's exercise, take 10X uh, by Ronan Diego and Lorenzo. It is all on maximizing musculature and increasing longevity in minimum effective time. You can also take Ben Greenfield's program, the longevity blueprint, which goes into everything else in terms of biohacking. And of course, if you want to improve your diet, best thing to do is WildFit. This is why, and full disclosure, I brought WildFit into Valley because it completely transformed my health and the health of my employees. WildFit's the most effective diet program I've ever encountered. You'll see people commenting in the chat, take WildFit. So those four things, really, really, really uh, powerful, and they will extend your lifespan, which is why typically I say, if you become a Valley member, you're adding 10 years to your life. It is insane to be alive today on the planet and not be a member of Valley. And 10, I think it's not a pessimistic, but like, so this is the minimum number of healthy and happy a years you would add. Yeah, I would exactly. say anywhere between like 10 and 20, unless you're like super unlucky in genetic lottery, the rest is really up to you. And the other good outcome of this fact that 30 or 40% of our longevity and health is genetically predisposed is like, we work in a lot of technologies to amend our genes or to use gene therapy to help us. So as soon as we can go on a genetic level and help everyone to manifest their longevity genes in, in the best way, things will change. We're going to be different humans. From ethical perspective, my mission is to bring affordable and accessible version of longevity to the world. I'm not right. interested to work for billionaires, right? I know a lot of them. Everyone <laughs> wants to live longer. But like, again, the first filter, when we invest in longevity vision fund, the first question that we ask, is it going to be affordable and accessible? And I can tell, I know we are full of fear. Like whenever we have a technology within our evolution, which changed people's lives in a radical way, this technology democratized itself in the course of 10 to 20 years. And actually, this is actually how drugs, I don't know if you want to talk about the third thing, which is longevity and appeal. And this is how, for example, the pharmaceutical industry work, right? So you have protected period, you, you hold AP for like 10, 12 years. And then it's becoming generic drug. And then for the fraction of that price, you can really enjoy it. And in fact, one of the longevity in the pill candidates called metformin is exactly this kind of drug. It's been in existence for the last 50 to 60 years. It's a diabetes drug. And I'm a good friend with Neil Barzilai, who is on the board of directors of the American Federation of Aging, who's doing metformin trial in the U.S. He told me the story that for metformin trial here in the U.S. To, to test metformin in the context of longevity, not only in the context of diabetes, metformin for the trial is less expensive than placebo pill. Mm. That's incredible, right? It's so exciting to hear about the democratization of these technologies. So I want to comment on something someone just posted here. Ryan asks, can you talk about alcohol and if it's good or bad? I just want to address this. So I'm sure you guys have heard of this book called The Blue Zones. It is a research on populations in places like Sardinia, Okinawa, where there's a significant number of people living over 100. In these populations, you get 10x the number of centenarians as in the average United States American city. And so Dan Buettner is the, the author of that book, and he listed a lot of the things that he found about these populations. And one of the things he mentioned is red wine. Now, when I first heard about that, I celebrated. I celebrated with red wine. And for the longest time, I was a two glass a day drinker of wine because I believed all this hype that wine was healthy. Now, I wasn't exercising as much as I should. I was not eating healthy. I wasn't sleeping well. I was under stress. This was like around five years past ago, but I was drinking two glasses of red wine 
because it was helping. I thought it was helping me sleep. When I wised up, I realized how stupid I had been. Firstly, it wasn't the wine. I was not looking at things holistically as, uh, as Sergey mentioned, sleep is important, nutrition is important, exercise is important. I wasn't looking at things. I was actually drinking wine by myself while watching Netflix because I needed to relieve my stress after a long day at work. When I started really going into health, you see back then Mindvalley was all about spirituality, but not really into health. When I started going into health, I realized how bad my habits were. So I started changing my diet. I started changing my exercise routine. We brought in programs like 10X. We brought in teachers like Ben Greenfield, Eric Edmeads. A lot of things transformed. But let's go back to that wine thing. Why did the Blue Zone book say that one of the observations was moderate alcohol? In Italy, it was wine. In Japan, in Okinawa, it was sake. So I was on Necker Island. Two years ago, Richard Branson's private island, there were a bunch of really influential people there. And we had this debate and one of them said, hey, Dan Buettner is my friend, I'm just gonna text him. So he texted Dan and Dan got back to us and Dan said this, it isn't the alcohol. The alcohol, he said, is inconclusive. It is the fact that when people drink alcohol, they come together. They come together to socialize, they come together to celebrate. It wasn't the alcohol, it was human connection. And that's what I wanted people to understand. Alcohol, I'm not saying it's healthy, but if you are using alcohol in a celebratory way, you're not just drinking it because you're lonely and you need to like pacify and make yourself sleep or relieve stress, which I was doing and I was stupid. But if you're doing alcohol in moderation to connect with people, as many cultures in the world do, then it can be healthy because of the happiness, the joy and the connection that it's helping bring forth. Okay, so that's how I would address that. Sergey, would you have an answer to that? Yeah, I agree. So, I mean, if you look at this studies about the different amount of alcohol per day, well, let's measure this as in a glasses of wine. You can see this kind of relationship. There's like an optimal amount of somewhere around one or two glasses of wine. And then it okay? drops very rapidly. Well, having said that, it looks like that. So, Literally, you'll see that the shape of the curve is really insignificant. So you can drink like zero or like four glasses. There's going to be a lot of different factors determining your longevity, your health span and lifespan as well. So in a huge volumes, right, consumed per day, alcohol is a poison for you. But like in one or two glasses per day is actually right. fine. I would not really recommend doing this every day. It's not a celebration. It's just becoming an obligation and it's kind of stress relief tool. Right. But so I use the term one or two glasses of red wine per occasion. And I think it gives everyone the freedom of choice how to consume that. So having said that, there's obviously just, it's quite a bit of good substances for our health in the red wine. But if you talk about resveratrol, to have enough resveratrol from red wine, you would need to drink, you know, up to four or five that's liters a, a day. So right. that's just a lot. Okay. Yeah. And remember, if it's about the socialization, what I did, and here's a tip for everyone is I actually, I had a bar in my home, would enjoy having friends over. I love making cocktails, but I switched that. I still have a bar, but I also created a tea bar a rooibos tea bar. I became really good at identifying teas. I have like 30 different bottles of teas. And now sometimes when my friends come over, we drink tea rather than alcohol. Same thing, we get to socialize, but we are drinking something healthy. Yeah. Now, Sergey, let's go on to the next part of this conversation, which is your five tips. Five tips, but before that, I'm seeing Bianca saying, I have so many questions. So Bianca is a former World Karate Champion, so she's deeply into health. So let's have Bianca ask a question. And Please. then we'll go on to your five tips for longevity. 
Yeah, I was just thinking because the Mind Valley audience is maybe also very much into meditation and maybe programming the mind. And uh, I was just questioning myself in your perspective is there a connection uh, between the mind and the body? And can we think younger and actually be younger? Do you have practices mm -hmm. for this? I want to squeeze everything from you because you're like the youngest like <laughs> guru. <laughs> yeah, so like if you look at the bonus chapter of the book, it's called Who Wants to Live Forever. It's twice as long as any other chapter in the book. It's right in the end, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And one of the parts of this chapter says think and grow young. And it is about mind-body connection. And it is about the fact if you have your lower psychological target age, your body will respond. Just in the course of a few weeks, you're going to be much, much younger. So like, let's use me as an example, right? I'm turning 50 in two weeks from now, okay? So that's one. If you look at my biomarkers, my biological clock, I'm 43 years old. I have high cholesterol level. I'm not taking drugs against that. I'm using just natural lifestyle changes to decrease that. If I would take statins, my biological age is going to be somewhere around 40. Then... When you ask me, and this is like the best question to ask, and it's all questionnaires about your psychological age started with like that. If you analyze how you feel today, like how old are you? So I'm feeling like I'm 35. But if you ask me about my target age, I can tell you like every morning when I wake up and I have my magic morning, I'm repeating myself. I'm saying I'm going to live to 200 years in a body of 25 years old man. That's it. So that's just the range of options that you have. The crazier, the bigger the gap between your calendar, chronological age, and your target age, the better results you'll see and you can really enjoy, right? And that's why, you know, when we talk about five longevity choices of today, as Vision suggested, one of them is what I call peace of mind. And this is the beauty of platforms like Mindvalley, right? I mean, it's basically like, the whole library of tools that you can use for to achieve peace of mind. So I started with kind of bucket number five, with choice number five related to peace of mind. But for me, really, it's, it's three things. So one is sleep. Mm -hmm. And Vision already told you, like, what you can use to improve your sleep. On sleep, I do remember the good friend of mine, Dr. Jake Cradle. He's a founder of one of the longevity clinics in London. When we met, I'm like, Jack, what is the number one thing? I'm always asking this question. And he's like, Sergey, every evening we can visit the best clinic in the world. We sleep. And I'm like, oh my God, what's a beautiful way of underlying the importance of sleep. So sleep, uh, mindfulness and meditation. And I'm not going to uh, focus on that. I'm pretty sure Vishen and Bianca and other Mind Valley members can teach me more about this kind of whole thing. And the third one is sense of purpose. Just literally being like a better version of yourself, be on the growth and development trajectory, have a mission in life, give more than you take, sharing the best of you with the world. So this is like, if you think about a spiritual person that you know, either on religious front or like, doing a lot of pro bono stuff, he or she radiates. Yeah, right. they live longer, they're happier. Well, and this is how we can become, if not immortal, right? I'm not a big fan of immortality, but obviously longer and happier living humans. So that's that's number five. Okay, well, let's, I've never done it from you know, number five to one. Let's experiment, Vision, okay? Yeah. Okay, it's, got it. So, that, so, so you're going backwards. <laughs> yeah. 
So, well, let's say, well, look, we are in Mind Valley, right? And okay, you know, peace okay. of mind so, is important. So quickly yeah. recap that first point. Sleep, mindfulness and meditation, sense of purpose. Got it. So it's, how would you encapsulate that? It's restfulness, the, the ability to get rest, meditation, bliss, sleep, sense of purpose, mindfulness. Okay, we can cluster yeah. that together. Let's go on to the yeah. second. So tip. it's almost like a mental health bucket. So number four is about physical activity. And we have this binary view of physical activity. So it's either like I'm just sitting at my home watching TV, right? Or I'm running marathon or I'm becoming Iron Man or Iron Woman. So there's something in between. We don't need to be binary about this whole thing. Use your wearable. And wearables are becoming now personalized healthcare devices. Like, and I'm wearables agnostic, right? You can use Oring, you can use Whoop, you know, you can use Apple Watch, you can use, you know, continuous glucose monitor, whatever you use. So, and count 10,000 steps a day. This is at least 50% of your physical agenda every day. And you can integrate walking into so many things in your life within the day. And then on top of that, it's really up to you what you want to do. So like cardio is important, at least hour and a half of cardio exercises every week. Weightlifting is important, specifically after the age of 60, at least one hour a week. And obviously like yoga, stretching is, is my favorite part. Right? That's it. So like the basic thing, do your 10,000 steps a day and then, you know, put on top of that, whatever you want. So this mm. is number four, physical activity. Okay. Number three is about diet. And again, there's a lot of disagreement in academic circles, what actually extends our life, but there's one agreement. Decreasing your calorie intake by 15 to 25% will add two, three, five healthy years to your life. Well, on one side, it's, it's pretty easy to say, well, Sergey, you just need to eat less. But what are the life hacks around this? So for me, it's literally comes down to, well, first taking out the sugar from your diet in form of sugar drink. And I like recent posting, at least I'm on Instagram most of my time, right? And I've seen what is done by Vision and Mind Valley in terms of, you know, educating ourselves, like what the role, negative role of sugar in our diet, right? In our drinks and in our society as well. So listen to these guys. So that's hack number one. Number two, it's about be as plant-based as possible. You don't need to be religious about you know, becoming vegan or vegetarian. So I'm like really sympathetic with this choice. But just decreasing the amount of meat and fish protein that you take, right? And taking more and more vegetables in comparison to the diet of average American or the average citizen of the world is super important. Even if I will have like half of my table full of vegetables for my dinner, I'm still going to be fine in terms of the calories. And this is, this is quantity. Quality-wise, whatever the manufacturing practice, we, we don't have time to go into that. You know, vegetables are much more friendly for our bodies. Like, because, you know, meat and fish that we have in some of the supermarkets next door can easily be called poison because of the growth hormones, antibiotics, eucalybacteria, and the all these practices that they're using in industrial farming. So like, just be careful with that. And the last thing is fasting. Yeah, uh, and I'm pretty sure you have your fasting guru or fasting experts on Mind Valley as well. Yeah, we and just so launched, I'm just going to say, for those of you who are Mind Valley members, we just launched a program on fasting. It's one of the best in the world. It's called Beyond Fasting. And it takes you through the entire protocol. I've done that program and I now fast five times. This is 
amazing. So what I'm doing, I'm fasting 36 hours every week, Monday evening to Wednesday morning. That's amazing. And it's amazing. Yeah, it's just, you, it's really amazing. Can you talk about that? So I do today, for example, I did a 16 hour fast. I do a 16 hour fast, typically Monday to Friday on average, mm-hmm. but you do mm-hmm. a 30, how many hours did you say? 36 hours? 36, yeah. Tell me what you're getting out of that, that 36 so, hours. Um, yeah, so, well, first of all, like whatever number of hours you can spend fasting, it's great. I mean, if you can fast for 10, 12 16 hours a day, this is great. 18 is great. So this is a very good start because what is happening within this time period, your body can detox. It's just not working on processing the food. You're not getting extra calories, which you remember from our earlier conversation today goes against your longevity. This is perfect. So, but what I do after somewhere around hour 16, hour 17, there's a process starts in our body called autophagy. When your body actually starts to clean out itself from the old or senescent cells, right? And this is extremely important. And this is why I I personally prefer like 36 hours version of fasting because I hate to break my fast in the age of, you know, hour 16 or 18, when this whole kind of interesting process starts. That's in a very kind of easy terms. But again, this is not to discourage your intermittent fasting rule like 16 or uh, oh no 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 36 hours hours is actually what what works six yeah yeah 36 hours is actually what you work your way up to however the rules are different for men and women they are different modalities and they are different patterns you can you can experience based on what science is teaching us you need to recognize there's different gender profiles for fasting so females they have a different hormonal balance and hormonal construct so we need to be mindful of that because like the previous version of medicine that we had like look at some of the trials white males are testing something on white males and assume it works for everyone no it's not so that's fasting so we were in longevity choice number three and it was about diet okay Mm -hmm. so Choice number two is what I call don't die stupid or passive longevity is like a more polite version of that. So tobacco smoking minus 10 years from your life, not using your seatbelt all the time, minus two years from your life, any other acceptable level of alcohol in your blood when you're driving. I know a number of countries or states where it's okay to drink a glass of wine and drive. Okay. No, it's, it shouldn't be that way. I mean, you're just putting yourself in a danger. And some people think it's really like kind of theoretical thing. It's our everyday choices. Yeah. So a very good friend of mine on the same floor in the office. So he, he just bought a motorcycle. Riding motorcycle is 17 times, one seven times more dangerous than driving the car. So can I ask you a controversial question? Yes. What about not getting the COVID vaccine, given what we know about long-term COVID effects? I tend to answer all the questions through my personal prison. So I suffered in December this year. I suffered from COVID. I had all the the opportunities to take vaccine and I haven't used it. Mm. So I spent 20 days in the bed with a fever. I was about to die, okay? So these 20 days switched me completely from like, well, I'm not sure. let's see how it works to like right now i'm I'm like the biggest proponent vaccine again i paid a huge price for that my my post-covid recovery is still there right i'm still working on that 
So I'm like, it's, it's, it's our personal choice. I'm like fully supporting, knowing what I know about the science of that, knowing what I know about my personal experience, I'm all for it. I do think like whatever the, like the downside or side effect of vaccines I was aware of, it's statistically incomparable and insignificant to the suffering and pain and death what I see in, in a yeah. group of people who actually suffered from COVID, okay? And yeah. life is a statistics game. Yeah, and I wanted that to be clear because there's so much misinformation out there against the vaccine. I'm vaccinated, my teenage son is vaccinated, my whole family yeah. is vaccinated. But I, I believe in individual choice, but anyone who's a close friend, I really sit down with them and I'm like, you gotta do this. Like, please don't believe the misinformation. Yeah. Most of that is cultural. A lot of it is from Americans who believe their yeah. freedom is being violated. And I get that. Yeah. America is about yeah. freedom. Yeah, I just want to yeah. say new studies are emerging that are showing that long-term COVID is a serious risk. And it's just not worth not worth getting it. Yeah, yeah. just like another 30 seconds on that. The funny thing about COVID is that sometimes it's attack people who are like in super healthy condition. Right. I always felt like, well, I'm like super healthy guy. I'm just working on my longevity and health day and night. It's not going to touch me. So sometimes what has happened, your strong immune system already reacts to COVID. And that's why you're suffering actually more. You're putting yourself in a bigger danger than that. So bucket and longevity choice number two is about passive longevity. Don't die stupid. And when we're going to have like driverless cars, they are 10 times less dangerous than driving yourself. So just there's always an improvement happening in terms of our ability to live longer and not to die from this, uh, you know, desire statistical. But some of my friends are crazy. Like I just got an email three months ago from a very good friend of mine in California. She says, well, Sergey, I'm about to climb one of the most dangerous mountains uh, in the world. It's called K2. You know what mortality rate is there? It's 25%. Wow. My goodness. I'm like, why would you take this risk? Okay, I can go on and on about this. I have plenty of examples of did she take that risk? I mean, some people are born. Yeah, yeah, right? she did. Yeah, she did. No, she's safe. Okay. She's fine. That's great. She came back to that, but from that. But like, as a father of four, I don't think <laughs> yeah. I can really afford this. Okay. And then number one, and when I have my thirty seconds on longevity, I dedicate this whole thirty seconds only to this one thing, and it is about your medical screening. The most important day of your life every year is the day of your medical screen. My wife has a different view on like what is the most important day of our life every year, but I can tell you, we're living in a world where early detection of cancer, heart disease, diabetes, not neurogenerative diseases yet, can save your life. You will retain the quality of your life after treatment and recovery rates right now in some of the cancer types going as high as 90 to 100%. In opposite, stage four cancer, when you wait until the cancer or other disease will manifest itself in the later stage, recovery rates for cancer at stage four, uh, somewhere between 10, 20, 30%. So why take this risk? Like, And mm -hmm. what we have in field of DIY diagnostics, there's a separate chapter on that in a book, like this whole diagnostic, you know, come into our home in the boxes, we can do that. Or if you do like full body MRI, it has this special artificial intelligence tool inside that. And it can scan your body for early stage cancer. And it's amazing, like human radiologists 
working under time pressure, and you can assume it's like 99% of their time, can detect early stage of breast cancer in 38% of cases. The same person, man or woman, empowered by AI algorithm within this modern MRNI machine, the detection rate is 98 or 99%. So why risk? Just yeah, go, right. do your you're medical right. screening, identify it early, extend your life. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And I confess that's the one I haven't actually done much of. I got to start taking that seriously. So Sergey, thank you so much. Once again, the book is called The Science and Technology of Growing Young. This is a book that will give you back the time you spend reading it. So absolutely get this book by Sergey Young. And you can check out Sergey Young on his website as well, sergeyyoung.com. And Sergey, by the way, how cool is it that you have the last name Young? And you write about long. <laughs> I've created this Sergey Young guy. It's similar like Tony Robbins. If you look, were at you me, born with the name Young? Uh, no, you... no, no. So I, I just changed it for this what whole original purpose. Yeah, yeah. But that's a separate story. We're going to discuss it on my third appearance. That is. Just, I'm going to live another 150 years. So you guys need to be prepared. To be like every year or two, that. we need to have a conversation. I love that. I should change my name as well. It would be Vision Meditation. I love it. And just like Jim has Jim quick. Okay, yeah. guys, thank you so much for joining us today. I will see you in the next episode of the Mind Valley podcast. Now, if you enjoyed this session, and if you're a Mind Valley member, these are the programs that you have available to you. Firstly, if you are looking at optimizing sleep, take Michael Bruce's Mastery of Sleep. Secondly, if you're looking at exercise, you might want to try out 10X, which is focused on optimized strength training or the longevity blueprint, which is on biohacking. It's a full-spectrum biohacking program by Ben Greenfield. Finally, if you're looking at bliss, you might want to check out the six-phase meditation or M-Word by Emily Fletcher. All our teachers, of course, are legendary, so I'm sure you've heard these names before. And connection, which is a key part to increasing your longevity, that is going to come soon in February 2022 when we launch our new private social network to connect all our members and bring them together in events around the world. So if you're not a Mindvalley member, hopefully you'll check it out, mindvalley.com, and check out Sergey Young's book, The Science and Technology of Growing Young. Thank you so much, guys. Sergey, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Cheers, guys. Vishen Lakiani, and this is the Mind Valley Podcast. If you like the Mind Valley Podcast, take the next step. Become a Mind Valley member. Imagine being coached daily by the greatest teachers on the planet. How quickly would you transform your health, your mindset, your body? your relationships? How quickly would you double the size of your company? How quickly would you see your career grow? How quickly would you eliminate any limiting belief that's holding you back and manifest a life that you once thought beyond your dreams? When you become a member, you don't just get access to the greatest education in the world. You become part of a community of 150,000 of the most incredible people dedicated to personal growth. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash now to get started.